Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. I don't know how weird it may look to have a music stand up here as a lectern, but like this is right in my wheelhouse. I'm a youth pastor. I don't get any fancy podium downstairs. This is, <laughs> this is it right here. Um, and I've preached from uh, several places over the years. Uh, I've preached from really fancy pulpits. I've preached from really simple pulpits. I've preached and, and heard preaching in front of piles of rubble from post-earthquake Haiti. One thing that I've found that is true, no matter where you are, coast to coast, presence, all that stuff, presentation, that's not where the power of the gospel comes from. The power of the gospel comes from Jesus Christ and his spirit. And so what we're going to talk about today is uh, we're going to read out of a story from John chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles with you, um, open up to John chapter 4. We've also learned it's not how grand your Bible looks either. I'm just going to do, do everything wrong and opposite today. I even came up from the wrong side of the stage. Jeff Moen and I, we, we had men's breakfast on Saturday, so we helped set chairs. I mean, got this already. And Jeff brought something to my attention, and I realized he was right. We set up two sets of stairs, and no one ever comes up from this side of the stage. And I happened to set these stairs up, so I was going to make sure that they got used this morning. And so I just kind of decided, let's make it a thing. Let's just do everything backwards. I don't have a very big Bible. And I brought this one up in particular because we got a whole bunch of these in the youth group now. Uh, because we were talking to our middle school boys, and we were saying, like, you know, how can we help you guys, like, sh- read your Bible more, share your Bible more? And they're like, well, the problem is, is that some of these Bibles, they can be a little big and a little obtrusive. We're like, what if we got you little tiny Bibles you can fit in your pocket? And they're like, that'd be great. So we got them these things. And when I heard pocket Bibles, I mean, I thought, like, you know, maybe a little bit bigger because, wow, this is, uh, this is something. Good thing they have young eyes. But we're going to read out of John chapter 4 this morning. Today's sermon, we're titling it, Living with Your Head Up, right? And that's what we're encouraging our, uh, our students to do, is that wherever they go, whatever they're doing, to always take the opportunity to take God's word and share it with people. Because you see, I like that we're doing it this, this time of year. If you're a family, especially if you're a family with the seniors, but if you're any family with students right now in the house, it's a busy time of year. It's May. It's finals time. It's banquet time. It's prom time. There's all kinds of things going on. If you have seniors, there's graduation coming up. There's performances. Uh, there's award ceremony they got to go to. And things can get just kind of crazy. And even if you're not in that situation of life now, that stage of life where it's just it's a madhouse all the time in the month of May, there are times, there are seasons in our schedule, in our rhythm of life, that just they just get, they get nuts. And you find yourself... Just living day to day, getting up before the sun gets up and starting to line them up and knocking them down from the very time you wake up to the time you go to sleep just to wake up the next day and start doing it over again. And the problem is, from a spiritual point of view, what I'm going to say this morning is that's what I call living with your head down. You're focused on, you just focus on right, right here, right now, and it's very important. And a lot of times they are important tasks, right? Getting your kid ready for graduation, the whole getting all the college things squared away, all that stuff. That's all very important stuff. But the problem is we can get very tunnel-visioned in how we see life. And what God is doing on the periphery of it is completely lost to us. I'm telling you with, with confidence this morning, God is doing things in your lives. 
God is setting you up in your life for some grand successes in his name. I say that with confidence. God has an individual plan for every single one of us. God has done things and is doing things and will continue to do things. He's already working it. And if you're sitting here this morning, like, like many, like I oftentimes, when I stop and I'm like, what is God doing? What's going on? Because I feel like I'm just going through motions at this point. It's because we've been living with our head down. Focused on what we determine is most important rather than focusing on what he determines to be most important. The story we're going to study to illustrate what it means to live with our head up. I believe we studied it up here before. It's in John 4. It's, it's, called the, it's oftentimes called the woman at the well because it's a story about Jesus encountering a woman at a well. Not the most creative title, but it gets the point across. He's walking through a place called Samaria. And rather than reading all 42 verses, I'm going to kind of summarize it and we're going to finish with the last three. The first, the first verses, you have Jesus travels through Samaria. He did that a lot, traveled a lot. We'll talk about why that's weird to begin with. He then has this conversation with a woman at a well. A very long discourse. And it's, a, it's interesting. We'll get into details of it. But what I want to focus on is this last part here. After he's done talking with them and he's now kind of teaching his disciples, she's running back to the village and we're going to pick it up in verse 39 of chapter 4. It says here, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me every, everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And we're going to add a fourth verse in here. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What I want to key on it is that verse right there, verse four, chapter 4, verse 39. This translation says, Many of the Samaritans from that town, many of the Samaritans from that town, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. If you've been in church for any significant amount of time, odds are you have heard this story brought up before. And I don't want you to tune out because you've heard all the, the nuances, all the details. I'm going to share some of those again for sure. But the reason why we bring this up, Jesus, there's four gospels, so many stories about Jesus. And, and really it's a handful that we tend to focus on time and time again, right? They're just super powerful. So much so that, I mean, I was sitting around one Christmas and my, my wife's grandmother was sharing something out of Luke. And, uh, and I'd forgotten that story was even in that book because it's not one you really commonly talk about. But the reason why we share stories like this is because it's, like super relatable. When you really study it, both what is said explicitly and also some of the stuff that we would understand from that culture that's in that story, it becomes a very relatable story for us. Jesus encounters a woman in Samaria as she's getting water. And if you read through the, the whole story, he, he says some pretty bold and brash things to her. See, first of all, one of the things that would have been noticed if you were from the ancient, from the Near East like Jesus was, what you would have noticed is, first of all, this woman, this woman's alone. And she's alone for a reason. And I believe Jesus gets into that reason as he tells her, he says, hey, you know, why don't you just go back to the village, bring your husband out to see me? And the woman just kind of simply says, well, I'm not married. That's all she says. 
And, we, and that's relatable because that's a response. Like, like yeah, she's, hide, she's, she's hiding something. <laughs> she doesn't want to share something right now. So she's just going to simply say, I'm not married. And Jesus goes ahead and spills the details. He says, yeah, I know you're not married. You've had five husbands. In fact, the one that you're sleeping with now is not your husband either. Kind of calls her out on the floor. I would not have responded very nicely to something like that. But she's alone for a reason. You see, even like when you read those details, married five times, the one you're sleeping with now, even in today's age, you're kind of like, ooh, that's rough. Back then, it's, it's unheard of. She's alone because she's that woman in her village. She's that one. No one associates with her. No one wants to be around her. She's doing something that's supposed to be a pretty communal practice, going to the well to get the water. I mean, it makes life safer when you're in numbers and also, you know, water's not light. Misery enjoys company. So we just do it together. It's a way to have community and fellowship. And she's doing it alone. I think right there, I don't know about you, but for me, that's probably the most relatable part of the whole story. She's alone. But let me read that verse for you again. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. I'm going to change one word here. Because that woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Interesting in the Greek, it's, there's a definite article here. And it's, it's oftentimes translated just as the word the. But it's used to basically point out oftentimes a very particular person, usually in a story. And John's trying to get at the fact that this woman, of all people, went back to her village, testified that this man told me everything I ever did. And because of that testimony, many people came out and said, you know what? You're right. That's the savior of the world. Pretty incredible what Jesus can do in a life. I told you with confidence, God is working things in your life for something. He's setting you up for success. He's throwing you, this is baseball, he's throwing you, he's throwing you the, the soft cheese right there. It's just the big meat. He's just throwing it right down the middle of the plate because he wants you to crush it, all right? He's setting you up for something. Because what this woman did, what, what, what she was able to do is not unique to her. It's simply unique to everyone who's had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's where it starts. If we want to have the impact this woman had for those around us, we must start by having an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking. Well, unfortunately, he's no longer with us in physical form. He ascended. You're right. Jesus died on the cross. He resurrected, and then he ascended up into heaven. But he sent something back. In fact, it was very important, he said, for him to go to heaven so that this power, this comfort, this Holy Spirit would come. And we have that spirit. If you follow Jesus Christ today, you have that spirit. You may not use it all the time. You may not act out of it all the time. But you have it. So with that being said, how can we encounter Jesus today? How can we have an encounter with Jesus like the woman at the well had so that we can go and impact the world? Well, first, this is the first way we can start living with our heads up, is recognize we can encounter Jesus through other followers Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In Romans 1, 11 through 12, Paul writes, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. The fact of the matter is Jesus has ascended. 
And this is where the plan of God, when it comes to spreading this news, when he talks about going and making disciples, it's where if I'm looking at it from a strictly worldly point of view, it's a little weird, if not downright, what God would even say to the world's eyes, foolish. You have the Son of God walking here on earth, healing people, teaching. Don't, wouldn't he be the best candidate to carry this mission out? Wouldn't this be the guy? He's the all-star. He's the all-pro. He's the best in the business. And yet God in all his sovereignty and mercy and grace said, no, it's not going to be him. He's, he's coming up here. He'll come back. But it's going to be you guys. You're going to carry out this mission. I'm going to share the power of my spirit by transforming the lives of sinners, those who I would call enemies. And they're going to go from confessing to everything but me Confessing only me and winning others to my cause, winning others to my name and growing my kingdom. The spirit is given to us so that wherever we may go, God's spirit is with us. If we faithfully follow Jesus Christ, if we abide in him, if we walk after him, if we pursue him, people can encounter Jesus Christ through our words and actions because of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ. We are his ambassadors. Not only do we encounter him individually through other followers, but we're supposed to be able to encounter him here in the church. We're supposed to be able to encounter him in the church. That's what we're here for. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. The day of Pentecost is, is known as the day when the Holy Spirit came down. The permanent ministry of the Holy Spirit began on that day and dwelled the, holy, the believers on that day. They started speaking tongues. All kinds of crazy stuff happened. They went from a body of 200 people to a body of thousands in one afternoon. After that was all happening, it says here in the book of Acts, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Because people didn't see an awesome program. They didn't see an awesome show. They didn't see a great presentation. They saw the power of God at work in individuals' lives, and instantly said, that's what I need. They recognized their depravity. They recognized their sin. They recognized their emptiness without God. They saw the stories and the testimonies of those who followed him. And said, that's it. That's what I'm missing. And they booked it right there. Finally, we can encounter him through prayer. This is very important, through answered prayer. Because God hears everything. God hears all prayers. And he answers all prayers. may not be the answer we're looking for, for sure. But he definitely answers all prayers, right? So in 1 John 5, 14, it says, We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. We, we worship a God who listens to us. And not to us just as a collective. He listens to us individually. He listens to us individually. And that's what I'm going to hone in on as, as I, right before I introduce Lena to get up here. God knows you individually. And when I say knows, he knows every in and out, every dirty secret, every horrible wrong. I look into my own life and that makes me squeamish that someone would know me that well. In fact, I think most of us spend the majority of our time making sure people don't know us that well and just know the us that we want to present. But God knows us. He loves us anyway. And each one of us has a unique story that brought us to Jesus Christ. We all have our own unique 
encounters with Jesus. You may only remember one, a couple. Maybe you remember a lot. What I want to share with you is what this woman did. And this is all she did. She didn't go to seminary. She didn't have to spend years in Bible study and in Bible classes. The only thing she did was she ran back and told the most available people to her her story. So what I want you to do this morning is to contemplate this, pray about this as you leave here. You need to share the story. I need to share the story. We all need to share our story. We need to share the story of our encounter with Jesus Christ. When we live with our head up, here's what that ultimately means. We are seeking the opportunity to share that story. And I'm going to confess to you, I miss more opportunities than I take a hold of for sure. I'm just like you. I get wrapped up in the busyness. It's May. We're trying to get camp registrations together. We got a Haiti trip to plan. I've got a ministry partner meeting at 1230 today so we can talk about summer programming. It's busy. I get it. And I'm here to confess to you, I don't follow this as well as I should. But I'm here to profess how vital it is that we do that we encourage one another, that I encourage you and please encourage me when you can to share the story of how you came to Jesus. Seek out the opportunities. When you have the chance, if you want, you'll get hundreds of these little things. Just keep them in your pocket. And if all you want to do is like, hey, yeah, I go to Leesburg Community Church and you share a simple little testimony about what God's done. Here, do you want a Bible? They say, no, cool. Let's keep it. You can share it with somebody else. And they say, yes, you never know what God will do. Hope they have glasses because this font is really small. But it'll be something. God will grant them vision to read it if he wants to. God does what he does if we're faithful and willing to go out there and put our sublime. Secondly, share, share your message with someone that you, you shouldn't. That's what I love about this story. It's covered in things that Jesus shouldn't have done. He's in Samaria. Jewish people hated Samaria so much that they would travel from the northern to southern province and they would, they would literally, instead of going through Samaria, which is quickest, they would simply just go around. They'd cross a river twice to avoid stepping foot in that in that province. Jesus is speaking to a woman, which, which from what we know the culture is kind of weird to begin with, but he's also speaking to a particular woman, that woman, and sharing the kingdom and wisdom of God. Everything about this story is Jesus doing things he shouldn't. And you know those kinds of situations in your life where you're sitting there and, you, and it strikes you like, ah, should I say something to them? Should I sh- you know, is this an opportunity for me to share God? And your brain instantly comes up with half a dozen reasons or more of, nah, and you take it. You're like, yeah, those are good reasons. I'm not going to do it. And then later on, you're like, you know what? That was dumb. I should have done it. And so maybe be bold. Have some faith. We're all afraid of getting an egg on our face, and that's usually the reason. That's ultimately the reason why we don't do it. Put yourself out there. Get a little dirty. Get some egg on that face. Take a risk. Guess what? If you're afraid of being reje- rejected, I'm going to help assuage that guilt. Jesus promises the majority of people are going to reject it. Cool. That problem's taken care of. So now we know that's probably going to be the reaction. So go ahead and share it anyway. Because then when it, if someone does accept it, if it does change them, if it does impact them, what you've witnessed is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. You can share your story with anyone. With anyone. And I want you to take everything in life as a working of God. Here's what I don't want you to do. Don't ever look at your own life. Don't ever look at your story and ever think it's not good enough. Don't ever think God can't use you. 
That kills me as a pastor. Because here's the deal. Yeah, I, I, I've got an undergrad training in this. I'm going through seminary now. I'm doing it because I want to be as best trained as I can to share this word, to be as responsible as I can with it. But that doesn't make me more qualified to talk to someone about Jesus than, than you. You have a unique story with, with him. And I could sit there and, and give all kinds of, someone once joked to me that seminary is 10,000 answers to questions nobody asks. Um, the fact of the matter is your story with Jesus is uniquely built by God to reach and impact certain people in this world. And he's built it so that yours is the best way to get it done. Who's it for? Unfortunately, that I can't tell you. But I can tell you how you can find them who are. Share your story. This morning, I'm going to introduce Lena, who've had the service with serving in India before. And I'll tell you what, one of the reasons why I kind of crafted the message that way, the way that I did was because that's Lena's story right there. Um, Lena, most of her stories start with my car broke down somewhere, and then she just takes the opportunity. Um, if you want... There's books out there in the concourse. I would recommend that you go by and talk to them about getting one. Because what makes Lena so just awesome to be around is this is somebody who just doesn't waste an opportunity. She sees everything as a working of God. She sees every opportunity, every need around her as a call to minister. And so we're going to sit and listen uh, to some of these testimonies, some of these stories. And I want you to be encouraged when you leave here after listening to her story. Don't ever think that mine's just not as good as hers. Yours is different for sure. But I want you to be encouraged that if I, if I had the willingness to share as frequently and as openly as Lena does, who knows what God could accomplish through me. So, Lena, why don't you take over from here? Thank you. Hello, good morning, everybody. I bring greetings from 86 churches, village churches, which I planted in India with the help of Holy Spirit and also from 64 pastors with whom I am doing the evangelism in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ten miles away from my town, there is a small village. As usual, the pastor conducted the church service on Sunday and he came back to his house. He sat with his wife and children to take his lunch. Suddenly, the anti-Christian group came to his house. They were shouting at him. They were calling him to come out of his house. The pastor was so scared. The wife also so scared. The children were so scared. The pastor came out of the house. That group asked him, do you believe in Jesus? The pastor said, yes, I believe in Jesus. The anti-Christian uh, anti group asked him, do you believe in Bible? They brought Bible with them. The pastor said, yes, I believe in Bible. That group asked him, why do you preach the gospel in the church? The pastor said, I'm obeying to Jesus. Jesus said, 
in Mark 16th chapter, 15th verse, go and preach the gospel. So I'm obeying to Jesus. Then the anti-Christian group opened the Bible. Mark 16th chapter, they started reading 17th verse. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. After reading this verse, that group said to the pastor, Pastor, you said you believe in Jesus. You believe in the Bible. So you said you are obeying to Jesus' words. That's why you're preaching the gospel. So the 17th verse says, If you drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt you. So, here is deadly poison can. So, drink this poison. It will not hurt you because Jesus will save you. Jesus said it will not hurt you. And they also said, Pastor, we want to inject you the blood of HIV AIDS poison. Uh, HIV AIDS person. Your God said, you will be healed if you get HIV AIDS. So, come on, drink this poison. The pastor's wife was crying. Children were crying. Nowadays, these anti-Christian groups are increasing in every state of India. They are targeting pastors they are beating the pastors. They are killing the pastors. They are tearing the Bibles. They are burning the churches in some areas. In the meanwhile, somebody called police. The police came to that place. The anti-Christian group said, See, pastor, you are not obeying to your God's words. In the Bible, in 17th verse. So, you are not allowed to preach the gospel in your church next Sunday. If you preach the gospel next Sunday, we will come again to hurt you. Now you can understand how difficult it is to preach the gospel and how difficult it is to plant the churches in India. Few years ago, when I was preaching the gospel in a small village, Standing under the tree, there were six people listening to me. And there is a man called Babu Nayak in that village. Nobody likes him because he, is, uh, uh, he beats the people. He, he quarrels with the people. Um, so while I was preaching the gospel, standing under the tree, that Babu Nayak came to me and shouted at me not to preach the gospel in his village. And he pulled me and he dragged me out of the village and he abused me 
and he said don't come into our village don't tell about jesus we don't want him we don't want to hear his words i left the village after few months i came to know that somebody stabbed him with a knife during uh, he during his fight with other villager and he was in the hospital almost dying so i went to that hospital when babu naik saw me he cried and he requested me lena please ask your god to heal me doctor said i am almost dying my wife has been asking our 3 millions of gods for two two days to save me but just now doctor told me i am dying so please pray for me so he was asking me with tears he was repenting himself so i prayed for him the bible says prayer of faith will heal the one who is sick lord will raise him up yeah after a few days he became all right he was he was totally recovered from his uh, uh, sickness he started coming to church and recently he took baptism and he and his family is coming to church the whole family took baptism on one day i received a phone call from unknown person that person was telling me please come soon they here is one mother who is throwing her baby into the village pond she doesn't want to raise her baby up so please come in my area many people have my phone number so i went to that town by traveling one hour i found that lady and i, I requested that lady not to kill her baby she said i don't want this baby she that baby was very tiny this much size and i thought that the baby will die but the mother was not happy with her baby i took her baby i brought her that baby to my house now that baby that that baby is 9 years old the <laughs> you know when i was small when i when i was reading the bible even the mother forget her child but god will not forget i could not understand the meaning of that verse in when while i was when i was small but that day when the mother wanted to kill her baby by throwing the baby in the village pond then i came to know the love of jesus christ the baby is now praying singing songs attending the sunday school see how god rescued the baby from her death last year my mom got sick very sick she was in the hospital for 8 months she was unconscious for 3 months her two kidneys were totally damaged her two lungs were with full of infection her intestine was bleeding for 2 weeks she her hands and legs were totally paralyzed 
she was in coma. Doctors told us she is dying within two hours. We started prayer. Many people prayed for my mom. The Bible says they cried to God when they are in trouble. He said his word and delivered them from the from their distress and destruction. Yes, God heard our prayers. He heard, he healed my mom. And in the in the Bible, Job got double foldings of blessings. You know, we got tenfolds of blessings after this suffering. God wiped our wiped out our tears. Before my mom got sick, she was suffering from diabetes, hypertension, arthritis, obesity, and she could but after after God, Jesus healed her. Now everything got she got everything is normal. And now she is walking. She is conscious. She is living. And the doctors who treated her, they were non-Christians. They are calling my mom Miracle. Her name is Viveka. So Miracle Viveka. And they, they also said, your God is the most powerful God. We just gave her treatment, but your God healed her. They are non-Christians who gave that testimony. See, the God who protected the pastor from the anti-Christian anti group, the God who changed the life of the Babu Nayak, the God who rescued the baby from the death, the God who healed my mom, the God who wiped away my tears, the same God is here. The, the God will listen to your prayers. My brothers and sisters, if you are in troubles, if you are in problems, sickness, loneliness, financial problems, God listen to your prayers. And God helps us to come out of that trouble. Come out of from that situation. There are so many people for whom we prayed and they became, they came to God and they came to know the power of God in India. The same God is with us now. Prayer of faith will heal the person physically, spiritually, mentally. If you see the Bible, Romans 4th chapter, 18th verse, in hope Abraham believed against hope. He did not distress the promise of God. He gave glory to God. He grew strong in his faith. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So the same God is with us. The hope doesn't put us to shame. So 
my brothers and sisters, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Thank you. Lena, would you stay up here for just a couple minutes? Sure. So now you are involved in a number of ministries. Can you share a little bit more about the, the other types of ministries that you have helped started and helped up start and that are, are happening? Okay. In 93, I got travel scholarship to attend a youth conference in Harare, Zimbabwe. There I attended the workshop led by Dr. Tony Campolo. He mentioned about a song, All to Jesus, I Surrender All. He said, we all sing that song, I Surrender All, but we don't surrender all. We, we give one dollar, one pound, and we sing the song. Those words touched my heart. I said to God, God, I don't have money. I know the money is not important to you, but you want my heart. So I said to God, God, you give me this life, precious life for me by shedding your precious blood on the Calvary cross. So here I am, Lord, to, do, to use me to do your will. So I completely surrendered myself to God. I took one step for God, but God is so faithful to me, and he has been helping me, helping me to take many more steps to start 17 ministries in India, and also he's, he has been helping me to plant churches, churches in the villages. So you said, now, you said when you started, you said 86 churches. Yeah. 64 pastors have been trained. And then uh, some of the ministries that you helped start when, after you realized that God was calling you to surrender everything, is that you are, you're caring for children. Yeah. Right. And uh, HIV, HIV positive children, HIV positive adults, leprosy people, Elderly people who are begging at the traffic lights and also carrying the children who are beggars at the big Hindu pilgrim center. Uh, the children who live in the big forest area who are facing malnutrition. And also children, uh, I started three schools for, for the children who live in the slum areas, who are child laborers in the big rock quarry, who are rag, rag pickers in, in the villages. So I also started sewing school, three sewing schools for the um, um, ex-commercial sex workers and also for the young girls in the slum areas. I also started computer school, two schools for the young people in which we are providing free education with Christian nurture. That's a lot. <laughs> and if I understand correctly, Lena, most of these ministries started as you were walking down the street and saw a need. Yeah. And God opened up a relationship with you and made a way for you to begin to minister to other people. Yeah. Church, that, that's what it's about, right? That, I surrender all, right? That's what it's about. Jesus was walking down the road and saw the woman at the wall and stopped. And then there was a, there, there was a ministry that he accomplished there. He shared the truth of who he was with the woman. The woman then went back to her village and did what? Shared what she had shared what she was given. As Lena walks through town, she shares what she's been given, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. She helps people in their time of need and shows compassion. She starts churches that they could gather and trains pastor that they can minister. 
What can we do with our lives? What can you do with the moment that God's given you? The moment. What can, what will he use you for? Are we willing, this church, are we willing to surrender our lives to say, Lord, in this moment, what will you do? How can I be used? Lena, we are so grateful that you're here. And uh, Lena, I'm going to actually, I'm going to pray for you and then let you walk off stage so that you can go and meet people. And David, you're going to go with Lena. And she's going to be right outside the door. We've got a little area set up. I hope you will stop by. I hope you will encourage Lena. Pray for Lena. Find out a little bit more about her ministry and who she is. But also, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock in the great room. We want to invite you. We wanted to have a special time with Lena. You could hear more stories. You could ask more questions. You could interact just a little bit more with somebody from the other side of the world who's living out her faith in a pretty special way. Lena, you've challenged us this morning. You've, you've brought to life what it means to walk with Jesus. And we thank you for that. Can I pray for your ministry? Father, we thank you for Lena. We thank you for her ministry. We thank you for what you're doing in, in her location, in her area, in her part of the world. And Father, we ask that you would continue to bless her. That you would multiply those that come to know you. You would multiply the resources that she has. That, Father, you would use her to meet more needs. But that, Father, the greatest thing that she would bring would be the truth of who you are. How amazing are those stories of people being healed and, and evil being thwarted and, and yet lives being changed. And Lord, that all glory has been given to you. That a team of doctors would say that your God, Lena, is the greatest. That is something from the pages of Scripture. And Lord, may we be encouraged through the ministry of Lena. That that is our great call, to be used, that our lives would glorify you. And so, Father, we thank you. Give her strength. Give her rest while she's on this trip. Bring her back home safely. And, Father, multiply her efforts. And we thank you for this amazing sister. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lena. in India and also for your prayers. So, uh, church, what we've been talking about lately is, is our, our resources. We've been taking time and calling it a moment of joy because it is. It's our great joy to give back to God for what he's given to us. You'll notice as we go through this month that we're not going to do special offerings. Um, I can't make a promise that we would never do that. But I'm going to hope that we will rarely ever do that. The money that comes in through our tithes and offerings should be sufficient for everything that God calls us to do. It should be sufficient for what God desires for us to be involved in as a church. And because of the giving to God, we've set up to give Lena money every year. And with her visiting here, we're going to give her more. And so before she leaves and goes on to her next visit, we'll, we'll give her more resources that she will help with this trip and will also help her do ministry back home as we discover more of what she's doing and maybe what some of those needs are specifically. So I wanted you to have a picture both of how God's using our resources, how he's directing it, 
and we are faithfully praying every moment. It's not something we just do up on stage when we say, Lord, uh, give guidance to the leadership of the church. We are faithfully praying, Lord, how would you have us use these resources? And when there is something that comes up, Father, let us give freely as a church. And so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to give it to Lena before she leaves. So I just wanted you to know that part. But the question that you're left with today is, will you surrender all? You've been given this great love of Jesus. He met you at your own well. And now will you run into your town, into your village, into your neighborhood, into your sphere of influence, into the relationships you know? And would you tell them about the amazing God that you serve and that loves you? Don't forget to see Lena and tomorrow morning, or tomorrow night at 7. Come back and see more about how you might be able to be involved in her ministry. And Father, may you bless our church. Father, I'm going to unashamedly and with great boldness come before your throne because you tell us that we can. Father, would you bless our church? Would you multiply it? Would you increase it? Would you grow it? Because of the willingness and the faithfulness of the people of this church to go share their faith, to go share their great love with you, to pray for people when they need prayer, to stop at a well and, and pray and talk to somebody, to stop at a lunchroom, to stop at a restaurant, to talk to the one who's serving them, to go to a neighbor who's in need, to visit somebody in the hospital, to do whatever it would take, Father, to be your hands and your feet. And in that obedience, would you bless this church and would you multiply it? Would you multiply their influence that many more may know you? And that the world that we live in and that we run in, Father, that they would proclaim your God is the greatest of all. Father, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen. Be blessed this week. See you next week.